Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in the name of our living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The message for this day comes to us from our epistle text from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the seventh chapter, and also the Augsburg Confession, Articles 2, 18, and 19. So take your pick. You've either been poisoned or infected with malware. Which would you choose? Because when it comes down to it, they're pretty much the same thing. If you look at it, you might not notice the problem at first. Things might continue along in their merry way. You can continue going about your life. You don't really see that there's a problem until things start to go awry. Little by little, stuff doesn't work the way that it's supposed to. But once the problem has reared its ugly head, though, you realize what's happened. You're in trouble. In fact, if you keep letting the situation continue as is without doing anything about it, you're going to lose everything. Life isn't looking so good anymore. But the worst part of your predicament, bad as it might be, is that there's nothing that you can do to fix it. You don't have any antidote or cure to get rid of the stuff that is slowly but surely wrecking everything. Now that, that is pretty much the nature of sin. Both today's reading from Romans 7 and the articles from the Augsburg Confession that we're exploring today speak to the problem of sin in our lives as human beings. Now these writings come down to us from a long time past, 2,000 years ago, 500 years ago. But the nature of sin and how it works in our lives hasn't changed. It's an inherited condition. It's one that has been passed down to each child of man across history. We still carry it with us everywhere we go, every time and every place. Now, the Augsburg Confession refers to the concept of concupiscence. Anybody use that word lately? Let's say it. This is a little Mr. Rogers, but let's all say it together. Concupiscence. Good try. Concupiscence is our inborn inclination towards sin. It's something that we've had ever since Adam and Eve. It is our rebellion against God. Now, you might have heard of the idea of original sin. That's the poison, that's the malware that has infected our minds and our hearts ever since before any of us had any say in the matter. We are, in the words of Article 2 of the Augsburg Confession, born without the fear of God, without trust in God, and with the inclination to sin called concupiscence. When it comes down to it, God's Word and our Lutheran Confession of the Christian faith it clearly states that sin is a fatal condition. That's the truth about sin. We're born eternally dead. That's messed up. There's nothing that gives us the ability to turn to God, to come to Him. Rather, we're set on a course away from God even as we first enter into the world. 
Why do you think that people are reluctant to admit, I am sinful? When was the last time you heard or said that outside of the sanctuary walls? I am sinful. Maybe it's because people think that it makes them less worthy in the eyes of the world. Or maybe it's simply because they think that only the really big, bad, evil stuff that you do is actually sin, if there is sin at all. People are reluctant to acknowledge the reality of sin in our world. Confronting sin in your life, it'll make you uncomfortable. It's an acknowledgement that things are not the way that they should be. It's more pleasant to tell yourself that you can do good, that you can be good. Why think about the bad when you can just ignore it? Humanity's relationship with God was wrecked in the fall into sin. Our confidence in our human ability turned us away from our Creator. But it's still that same misplaced human confidence in our ability that keeps us thinking we could turn back to him, that we could somehow reconnect if we really wanted to. But turning back to God isn't an option that human beings have. Sin takes hold of human life and controls it. It's kind of like a rocket that is being pulled in towards a planet with no fuel left in its tanks. There's nothing that that rocket can do to turn around and escape. Now, you might be wondering, don't human beings have free will? That's a pretty popular concept, free will, the ability to do what you want, to think what you want. And you can make choices about what clothes you'll wear, what food you'll eat. You can even make decisions about what course or career you would like to pursue in life. But those types of choices are what we would call things below, the ordinary things. Because yes, you do have the ability to make free and rational choices in such mundane things. And even non-Christians exhibit what we would call civil righteousness, doing good for others, for community, for the society around them. Our underlying problem, though, is that human will, and more specifically, our inclination, is in captivity to sin. Like that rocket trapped in a planet's gravitational pull, sin keeps turning us towards our doom. In our standing before God, there's nothing we can do to reconnect with him. What can a dead log on the floor of the forest do to reconnect itself with a living tree? Self-assured confidence in a non-existent ability is doomed to fail. The rocket can't turn itself around. The victim of poison or malware can't make himself better. A powerful external force must intervene if there's going to be any hope of rescue. God alone overcomes sin. You and I need God's intervention to turn us from our doom, to bring cure to that fatal problem of sin. 
And that is exactly what God does. He sent Jesus to bring life to people who were born dead, people like us. Through Christ, you are forgiven of original sin and concupiscence, the inherited condition by which you turn away from God. But also in Jesus, you have forgiveness. You have the antidote for that poison that would kill you, the cure for the infection that would wreck you, and the sin that we continue to do as we turn away from God in life. But God doesn't stop there either. The Holy Spirit has come into the lives of all those who are called to be a part of the body of Christ, all those called to faith. Your intention, your will, is renewed by his working. He puts new life into your mind and into your heart. He overpowers the inherited inclination that turns you towards sin. He turns you around. The Holy Spirit is at work to move you, the Christian, to both desire and do good. Now that said, both the scripture and our confessions acknowledge that sin will continue to be a problem for all people through life's journey. In that reading we just heard from Romans 7, Paul speaks to his own situation of being trapped in sin's pull. Even for the Christian, what you will and what you do get disconnected. You might want to do the right thing, but you don't. That's part of what we mean when we say that a Christian is both 100% sinner and 100% saint. We still struggle against sin's pull. We still fall to it. But both for our own well-being and for the good of our neighbors, we will always look to and we will point to Jesus and his cross and empty tomb as the one who reconnects us with God and reconnects us with each other. He is the only antidote. He's the only cure. He is the only hope. So as you go out this week, take a look around you in the world and see civil righteousness at work. In the lives of Christians and non-Christians alike, notice the good that is being done for our community and for our nation. And notice too, humanity's inclination to obey evil impulses because of our captivity to sin. As we confessed at the beginning of this service, we are in bondage to sin. But above and beyond all that, remember God's forgiving love for you in Jesus Christ. Confessing your sins that you might know the greatness of God's grace in Christ. We are born with our minds and our hearts poisoned by sin, infected by a will that is inclined away towards God. But Jesus is our antidote. Jesus is our cure. Jesus is our hope. Amen.